You're listening to the Quince podcast. When was the last time any protest in India saw barricading to the extent we have witnessed at the Delhi borders? In my 34 years of service in the IPS, I have never seen this type of barricading done anywhere in the country. I have worked twice in Kashmir, once in the northeast and twice in Naxal affected areas. I have never seen. Particularly the permanent nature of the barricading. You can erect however heavy barricades you want, but pouring concrete, trying to make it permanent, that is absolutely unprecedented. It has never been done anywhere to my knowledge. That was Dr. NC Asthana, a retired IPS officer who served as a DGP for Kerala and as a long-time ADG CRPF and PSF. Unlike the regular mobile barricades set up by the police to restrict foot traffic and vehicle movement, the police blockades at Gazipur, Singhu and Tikri borders where scores of farmers are currently protesting are more permanent in nature. Apart from the internet shutdown that was imposed after the Red Fort violence, video footage and photographs from these areas now show cement walls being constructed, spiked wire on top of steel obstacles, iron nails bolted to the roads to prevent advancement. But the barricading has also led to larger consequences. It has been reported that these barricades have cut off farmers' access to water and sanitation facilities which they had access to previously. But is this level of blockade legal? Do they violate any human rights laws? Are barricades of this scale necessary? And what do the farmers feel about them? To answer these questions for this episode, we spoke to Dr. NC Asthana, who is a retired Indian Police Service officer, Vakasha Sajdev, the Quint's legal editor. You'll also hear from Shadab Moisey. Senior correspondent for Quint Hindi and voices of protesters from Gazipur. You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Imad. After violence at the Republic Day tractor rally, the Delhi police took no time to fortify Gazipur border. Images and videos from the border have surfaced which show that the police have installed iron spikes, barbed wire, cemented dividers on roads leading to the capital. In response to mounting criticism over visual evidence of the extent of barricading, especially the use of iron nails and spikes, Delhi Police Chief SN Shivastava on 2nd February stated that they have strengthened the barricades so that they cannot be broken again. On 4th February, video surfaced of the iron nails being removed. However, the Delhi Police clarified that the nails are only being repositioned and not being removed farmers across all three sites have criticized the heightened security measures at the border protest sites addressing a gathering in jind district of haryana which had thousands of farmers in attendance on 3rd february bharatiya kisan union leader rakesh tikate slammed the increased security measures and barricading at protest sites he said and i'm quoting here if demands of the farmers are not accepted by the center they would hold a mahapanchayat at the national level when a ruler is afraid he fortifies end quote Shada Moisey, a senior correspondent for Quint Hindi, spoke with several farmers at the Gazipur border on what they think about the protest. Here is a farmer named Monty from Jatpur in Meerut. Isse thodi ruk jayenge? Is din jana hoga to yeh bhi paar ho jayega. Isse lagane se rokne ka fayda? Ha to kisanon ko kaam hi nahi isko koi fayda hi nahi hai lagane ka. Agar kisan karte hai to matlab kisano to kisan to karte hi nahi hai kaam. Kisanon ne na wo kara. Isne kara usse jaake pakdo uske bare mein karwai karo usse jaake pakdo. This won't stop us. If we want to go, we will cross this as well. The protests which happened at Red Fort are not farmers' doing. The farmers have no hand in it. The ones who have done it should be apprehended. 
but placing these barricades is unnecessary. Here is another farmer named Kuldeep Kumar who believes that barricading is unnecessary and that if the protests do move forward towards the city, permissions will be taken. पहले भी किसान कह के ही गया था 26 जनवरी को और अब भी आगे भी जाने का इरादा होगा तो कह के ही जाएंगे ऐसे नहीं जाएंगे ये तो बिना मतलब मैं टेंशन ही लिया इन्होंने वी टुक परमिशंस इन एडवांस फॉर द रैली ऑन 26 जनवरी एंड इफ वी प्लान टू वंस अगेन डू इट इन द फ्यूचर वी विल ऑफ कोर्स टेक परमिशंस दिस इज अननेसेसरी अपार्ट फ्रॉम द फार्मर्स सेवरल जर्नलिस्ट फ्रीलांस एंड इंडिपेंडेंट मीडिया प्रोफेशनल्स हैव रिपोर्टेड फेसिंग रिस्ट्रिक्शंस एट द प्रोटेस्ट साइट्स एज़ वेल वी स्पीक टू शदाब मोइजी हु ब्रॉट यू द फार्मर्स वॉइसेस होर अर्लियर on the restrictions he faced while accessing the site and the mood of the protesters jab ghazipur border jaane ka humne plan kiya to shuruaat mein to hum normal jaate the jaise rasta khula tha to ja rahe the lekin ab jo hai barricade hone ke baad aur wo jo metal wala keel aur tar jo lag gaya hai jiske baad agar hum jaane ke liye rasta badalna pad raha hai in the beginning when we used to plan to go to the ghazipur border we took the usual way Since the barricading and the implementation of the barbed and spiked wires we had to change our routes. Police aapko bahut pehle hi rok deti hai aur fir aapka route divert karati hai. Fir aap agar aapko wahan protest site par jana hai to uske liye aapko kai sare raston ko badal kar mohalle local jo area hota hai uske raston ko pakad kar aap wahan tak pahunchte hain. Lekin aap fir flyover ke upar kisan baithe hain lekin aap aap flyover ke niche pahunchte hain. The police stopped us way before the protest sites and diverted our routes. To reach the protest site now you have to go through several farms and inland roads you have to enter the site from below a flyover now where i also saw several farmers sitting on top of the flyover jo gate khula hua hai ki jo kisan up ki taraf se aa rahe hain unko aane diya ja raha hai lekin delhi jaane ka jo rasta hai wo band hai the farmers who are coming from uttar pradesh are allowed to enter the site the police has built a gate and are also conducting security checks but the roads going towards delhi are completely closed aur rahi baat wahan par jo kisan hain jab hum unse baat karte hain unka haal chaal janne ki samajhne ki koshish karte hain to wo unka saaf hai ki rakesh tikait ke jo emotional appeal tha ya emotional baatein thi uske baad se bada fark pada hai wo lagbhag zyada tar jo kisan hain wo uske baad hi ghazipur border pahunche hain in my conversations with farmers at ghazipur they said that it was bku president rakesh tikait's emotional appeal recently that has impacted a lot of farmers as reason to continue and also join the protest aur unme ye hai ki jo barricading lagi hai usko lekar unke man mein ye hai un sawal bar bar ye hai ki kya ye cheen ke sath koi ladai chal rahi hai ya cheen ka border hai india cheen ka border hai jahan par unko roka ja raha hai jis tarah se barricading lagi hui hai usko dekhkar unhe ye sawal unke man mein uthta hai with regards to the barricading the farmers question the decision saying that these kind of barricading makes us think that we are a china border Now as far as the democratic right to protest goes article 19 1b of the constitution guarantees the right to assemble peacefully and without arms to all citizens of India albeit with reasonable restrictions the permanent nature of these barricades does impact the right to peacefully assemble but the right also encompasses more than that which includes the ability to assemble further forward as well the violence on 26 january certainly throws a wrench in the argument of whether these large scale barricades are justified since there were several breaches of law and order on republic day but does the extent of barricading have any legal justification vakasha sazdev the queen's legal editor weighs in so let's let's just think of the of what these blockades are all about right you're saying uh, what the police are saying is that we saw some violence on 26 january that violence took place when the farmers entered delhi so therefore we have a legitimate risk of uh, violence and rioting and a uh, threat to public order basically if the farmers are allowed to access delhi now 
that access to Delhi is infringing obviously a number of people's rights. I mean, it infringes your right to assembly, your right to freedom of movement. But again, remember, obviously, these are rights, these, even though they're fundamental rights, they are subject to reasonable restrictions. And public order is very much one of those. So in that sense, saying, okay, look, for the police to say, we, we see this particular threat and we therefore need to put barricades across the roads to stop this group of people who could potentially uh, cause a public order problem. Uh, we need these barricades to stop them from going through. That's, you know, that that's, that's kind of acceptable, right? But the there are a number of issues with the way this works. Now, first off is the question is, how do you decide that there is actually a public order risk here, right? Because public order doesn't just mean that, oh, there's a bit of a law and order problem. It means you have, to have something really serious, like a proper, like a, 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 something which affects the community as a whole. It has to involve, you know, rioting, something. It has to rise to basically that level. Just the mere sort of assembly of people doesn't itself constitute a threat to public order. That's something the Supreme Court had sort of clarified through its Himmatlal case in 1972 and, you know, through cases, cases and judgments which we've seen since then. So essentially what you have to say is look at the history of what's happening at these protest sites and say they're a threat to public order. Now, if you look at just the protest sites themselves, what's been happening there for, for like two months and counting now, um, that's not really justified, right? Because there's been no incidents of violence, except for the one time when people try to attack the, the, the protesters at the site, at Singhu. But otherwise, you don't see any violence or any risk of a threat to public order from the sites themselves. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that there, there isn't a risk of public order, uh, a risk to public order if, if, farmers, if the farmers from these protest sites actually do enter Delhi. Uh, the 26th January thing is always going to be a point to that, but you have to be able to draw a distinction. This is something that Supreme Court Advocate Karnanandi explained to me and we discussed and it's, it's in the piece which I've written about this, is that you have to draw a distinction between the entire protest and a um, section which maybe invo was involved in some stray acts of violence. So for the government to say that these blockades are required uh, to this extent, right, these huge things which are blocking off ev any sort of access, they really have to be able to have material which they which can really kind of justify that. Now the thing is that that tends to be left to the discretion of the government. So the courts, even if they do conduct a judicial review, are not going to sort of really get into the start second guessing the government on that. But while maybe the fact of sort of having to put up the blockades um, may go by, may be fine under law. The question is, is the extent of the barricading, the way it's been done, this sort of military style kind of operation, is that required? And there actually you start running into a couple of problems. Well, the first one is that you have to look at the of, 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 of the doctrine of proportionality. Now, this was something which uh, the Anuradha Basin judgment by the Supreme Court in January 2020 clarified that, you know, uh, any sort of prohibitory orders under Section 144, which are, for instance, what are used to set up these barricades on the Delhi borders, they are also, you have to, like, you know, when you, because these are sort of violations and fundamental rights of right to speech, of assembly, they have to be subject to the doctrine of proportionality. And the funda behind that basically is that, you know, you have to, look at the threat, see that there's a necessity for something to be done and say, okay, now is this the least restrictive way to stop that threat from, from coming into force? Right? So you can't say that, oh, we think there's going to be a bunch of threats, so therefore we will uh, put everyone in, 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 in this region behind bars or, oh, we're going to like, you know, uh, take away everyone's cars and take away everyone's computers. You can't do those kind of things, right? So that's the idea behind basically the concept of the doctrine of proportionality and looking at the, the extent of these barricades and everything which they are in the, their permanence, right? You're not just talking about like severe barricades and blockades, you're talking about permanent structures. On the doctrine of proportionality, there is a question to be asked that even though you may need barricades at these sites uh, in the interest of public order, should they be of this to this degree? And I think the answer uh, on an objective basis would probably be no. Um, 
the uh, interesting thing of course is like if we look at international law as well there are some specific things in the right to assembly now the problem is that those wouldn't necessarily be binding but there are some very interesting points which they talk about there, which are essentially the things which we are supposed to be kind of aiming towards which is saying that you have to kind of facilitate protest as the state you have to make sure that there's communication collaboration and this kind of blockade actually prevents a country from doing that and i think that's a so even so even though this this specific thing under international law may not be a binding obligation i think it points to a problem with our approach to the blockades as a whole and how we're approaching this whole situation as has been said the barricades have cut off access to water and sanitation according to an indian express report the barricading at the singu border has cut off access to farmers to roughly 100 portable toilets a Times of India report also stated that the barricading at the delhi Chandigarh border has cut off access to 20 mobile toilet vans and as a result many are now defecating in the open or are going to the fields which also have a considerable impact on female protesters as well. The report by the Times of India further states that the delhi Jal border, a report by the Times of India further states that the delhi Jal board or water board tanks are also being restricted at the borders and are not being allowed to pass through. But can the state legally cut off access to water and sanitation from protesters in a bid to shut down the protest? While the Supreme Court has recognized the right to clear water and sanitation, and also put in on the state to ensure that whatever security measures they may take, nothing must infringe upon these rights. Beyond this, there are international human rights laws as well, which India has ratified, which most importantly emphasize the right of sanitation for a woman. The Convention on Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, 1979, which India has ratified, expressly imposes a duty on states to ensure to women that the right to enjoy adequate living conditions, particularly in relation to sanitation. Vakasha elaborates more about what the Indian and international laws say about the right to clean drinking water and the right to sanitation. Uh, the point on water and sanitation is actually a very, very straightforward thing. Whether you're looking at domestic law or international law, access to clean water and sanitation are key fundamental aspects of the right to life and uh, having an adequate living standard. In India, uh, in domestic law, this comes from Article 21. The Supreme Court has held this in case after case after case. Uh, whether it was 1983's Bandua Mukti, Mukta Mochi, Mukti Mocha case and then you have obviously subsequent cases as well in 2000 and 2001 in the Narmada Bajao Andolan case and the AP Con Pollution Control Board case where the court has said look you, you ha the ac access to clean drinking water is right and it's not and remember it's not just a right you know, which is just this vague idea that you can get it. The state, whether it's the central government or the state government, you know, relevant in that area, have to take active steps to ensure that you have access to those things. So if they actually are impeding your access to those they are violating their obligation and thereby violating your rights and if we look at the way these blockades have been set up they are essentially doing that right so even on so on just basically on the basic issue of domestic law and the fact that you're supposed to have a right to water you're supposed to have a right to sanitation again clarified by the supreme court as being within your article 21 rights again clarified by the supreme court as being a duty on the state to ensure access to the fact that the so under domestic law itself just straight straight away on, on, on the basis of these Supreme Court orders, a blockade which goes plop down the middle of the road, blocks off any access to that, uh, is a violation of the Constitution. And we know, for instance, that, uh, from reports which have come in, that, for, that the blockades were actually put in a place where between the protesters and the sort of portable toilets which they were using. Now, that's, that's kind of a blatant thing which you're doing there, right, to cut off access to sanitation. And this, this, the, the question of sanitation actually becomes even more important in international law and in this case, there is a potentially binding obligation here, which is under the Convention on Elimination of Discrimination Against Women. Now, this the, the CEDA, as it's known, this uh, 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 this, the, the, this this convention which India has ratified and 
we look at the way the Supreme Court has said that, you know, these kind of things, when we've ratified it, we have to also then, sometimes the court may have to interpret it as being uh, a specific requirement. Essentially, what, the, what, what, what we have is this obligation coming from international law is that you have to, on the question of sanitation, ensure that you're not creating uh, conditions which are poor for women. They have to be ensured the right to sanitation because there's so many other issues which come into play there, right? With women, you've got then the, there's, 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 there's sexual violence, there's uh, access to dignity, access to all these kind of things, which are other facets of fundamental rights, which all come in when they don't have access to good sanitation facilities. If they have to go into the open fields and defecate, or, or you know, this, this creates a lot of risk to them in terms of safety. And that is something which uh, is, is a particularly interesting element from the international law side of it to add on to what we have under domestic law as well. Because domestic law, as we said already, has this whole concept of right to water and right to sanitation and the duty for ensuring access to that on the state. Now, again, uh, if we have to look at the, uh, these, these as Article 21 rights, there, there can be restrictions on them, but those restrictions have to satisfy the three-pronged test of lawfulness, necessity, and proportionality. Um, the necessity to impose restrictions which are going to stop people having access to water and sanitation, very difficult to argue that. And again, proportiona proportionality, I suppose you say, yes, we need to put the barricades there, but then you make sure that there is some sort of, either you, for instance, where they had those portable toilets, those should have been left on the other side where the protesters were, or you have to have a system for allowing them access to that, or you've got to allow, you know, have make some sort of arrangements for those things to be transported to the other side. So, you know, none of those things are done here. So uh, you are looking at clear violations of these rights to water and sanitation in both domestic and international law. We have already heard from Dr. Astana about how this kind of barricading is unprecedented. But another question is, are they proportional to the threat? Do they meet the conditions required to justify this kind of fortification? But what would have been a more appropriate way to deal with a democratic protest? And is the Delhi police's response after the events on 26 January called for? Dr. Astana weighs in. There is no law which permits you to this kind of barricading. As simple as that. You cannot endanger public lives by implanting stakes, sharpened stakes in the ground. Somebody might trip over them. You see, I can understand, at least for the sake of theory, that heavy barricadings would stop tractors. This is uh, subject to the condition, why should you allow tractors in the first place? As I have written in my article, Suppose there is a strike in the mining sector, will they be allowed to bring 12 vehicle, uh, 12 wheel uh, dump trucks? Or if there is a strike in the construction sector, uh, will you allow cranes to be brought uh, during protests? I mean, this is not done. And even if tractors are stopped, so what will you do if people dismount from the tractors and try to negotiate the barriers physically? You see, once you have stacked all those yellow uh, yellow wire mesh barricades, it becomes a sort of a solid floor. It's very easy to hop on them. People can certainly try to negotiate the barriers. And when they do so, police would be using force. Using force means there would be a stampede, there would be confusion, there would be a melee. In that melee, somebody can indeed trip and fall on those stakes. He would be literally impaled. That would be very unfortunate. It would be inhuman. That sort of thing is not permitted by any law. You see. The urgent and threatening way these barricades have been set up by the Delhi police does not facilitate the right to protest or allow the protest to be viewed fairly by the public in a democracy like India. 
If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website. And for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint website and check out our other podcasts. 